quarter after five or so on a Friday afternoon, getting you into the weekend. We got good high school games tonight, college games tomorrow, and of course the NFL continues on Sunday. The Commanders play their first road game. They head to Denver to take on the Broncos. Let's talk about all of that with Al Galdi, who joins us this afternoon, the Al Galdi podcast. Uh, we've chatted with him all summer long, of course, on the Nats Chat podcast. We'll kind of put the Nats on the back burner here, and we'll talk some Commanders football with Al this afternoon. Al, how you doing? Hey, good. How are you? Doing fine, thanks. Uh, so this is a matchup this week of one team that won ugly on Sunday and one team that lost ugly on Sunday, and it's much better to be the team that won ugly which was the commanders i said this a few times this week out they had to win that game no matter what it looked like the whole cleansing of the soul new era in dc they can fix everything that ailed them in the next 16 weeks they had to win that game sunday do you buy into that absolutely uh i thought way too much was made of the how as opposed to the what the what was what mattered that the win was obtained was always what mattered I think anyone who's followed the NFL for you know any period of time really understands that week one results often don't mean much and often aren't uh, indicative of what's to come. So it's just a matter of getting wins, and then you can worry about like what exactly is the team? You know, is it as good as we want it to be? What are the strengths? What are the weaknesses? Like, it's certainly okay to have those opinions now, but I think early season NFL in terms of the regular season is really just about getting wins, and then come like October, November, December, that's when you really can start to assess like what you have in your team. But especially now with teams not playing players a lot in preseasons, I think these early weeks in a lot of ways are teams kind of finding themselves, what works, what doesn't work, what doesn't work, that kind of a thing. And specific to the commanders on offense, I mean, you have a lot of new parts, right? A new offensive coordinator, new starting quarterback, a revamped offensive line. So, you know, that they didn't score 40 points against a team that figures to be bad, I think is okay. And, yes, getting the win was what mattered. You got that. And uh, now hopefully you get the 2-0 and for the first time since uh, 2011. Well, then what did you like about what you saw Sunday? Well, obviously the defense. The defense mm-hmm. was tremendous. And, you know, I know there's sort of an obvious uh, response of, well, the Cardinals aren't very good. They're not. They probably will end up being one of the worst teams in the league. But, it wasn't just that the defense played well. It's that the defense played exceptionally well. I mean, the defense was dominant in that game. Some of the stats were really uh, jaw-dropping. I mean, 11 tackles for loss for an NFL team in a regular season game. You don't see that often, and yet the commanders had that last Sunday. So you certainly start with the defense. Sam Howell was mixed. I think everyone gets that by now. I did think, though, that we saw enough good to say, okay, like, there is something here. And if this ends up being the worst game that he has this season, then I think we could all live with that. So there absolutely are things to clean up. I think the six sacks, first of all, I think the six sack thing is a little overrated because the first three sacks combined to lose one yard. Those are basically scrambles that resulted in zero yardage gained or negative yardage gained, so they went down as sacks. But the, the sacks were more on him than they were on the offensive line. It's interesting. The advanced numbers that have come out about the offensive line's performance actually have made it look a lot better uh, than I think initially thought. So I think that's actually semi-encouraging. The line was not the mess that I think a lot of people thought that it was. And, and I also would say this. You win a game in which you commit three turnovers, three turnovers in one quarter, in fact, you know, I think it's like, okay, you're not going to do that every week, right? Like, moving forward, are the commanders every week going to commit three turnovers and allow six sacks? Like, probably not. So that you could win a game like that 
I think says, all right, they're not going to do those things every week. So in theory, uh, this should be a team that uh, is able to put up some wins early in the season. And I do think that that's a big deal. I mean, I think we've all become tired of these slow starts for Washington teams, especially under Ron Rivera. I think it matters a lot that this team gets off to a good start this season. And obviously, 1-0 is uh, part of getting off to a good start. What do you think this defense is primed to do against Russell Wilson and Denver? And it is a commander's defense that we officially learned today will include Chase Young. Yeah, I think it's in store for another good game. Um, Russell Wilson, we know, is not what he was. He had an an atrocious 2022 season. Now, I don't think that he's definitely, like, uh, just completely incapable now. Like, I think he is still capable. It's not like he was awful in that Broncos loss to the Raiders, but if you look at his yards per pass attempt for that game, it was like 5.2. I mean, that's like a microscopic yards per pass attempt in today's NFL. So he's not what he was, and I think that he is someone who, while he still may be capable of doing well, he also at this point in his career is capable of being dominated. And I think the commanders have a shot to do that. Now, we'll see. You don't want to assume anything. But I feel really good about this defense. I don't know how you don't. Um, This defense, going back to last season, played really well. There are a lot of good players on this defense. This defense is not overly reliant on one player or even one unit. Obviously, the defensive line leads the way, but you have a secondary that I think is in really good shape. And I think you are facing a Broncos offense that, like the commander's offense, is still trying to figure out some things with Sean Payton now running things. But also Broncos offense that, even if it's playing at its best, I don't think it's great. Like, I, I, I don't think the skill position players on the Broncos are great. You know, Wilson is where he is at this point in his career. He may be a shell of what he was. At the very least, he isn't what he was. Uh, the offensive line, the Broncos spent some good money in free agency to upgrade it. So, you know, that's to be determined whether the offensive line uh, for the Broncos is going to be good enough uh, for the team to do well this season. And the Broncos are missing a key pass-catching tight end, and Greg Dolson, he's expected to miss multiple weeks due to a hamstring injury. Now, Denver is getting Jerry Judy. He did not play in week one due to a hamstring. He's set to play on Sunday, so that'll help what the Broncos can do. But uh, I would be surprised if the commander's defense did not play well. Uh, This defense, I think, is in a very good place. And what we saw last Sunday, again, it's not just that you beat up on a bad team. It's that you really smashed a bad team, defensively speaking. Uh, That that was one of the better all-around defensive performances by a Washington team that we've seen over the last, say, five, ten years. All right, as you mentioned, starting 2-0 and would be a big deal for the Washington Commanders in general and, and their fans. How big a deal is that to Ron Rivera at this point in his tenure? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's massive, man. I think it's massive. I mean, you know, I mentioned the traditional slow starts for Washington under Ron Rivera. He obviously has survived those slow starts in each of his first three seasons as Washington head coach. I don't know that he would survive a slow start this season. Um, I think that a bad start could end up with him getting fired in season. Like, I do think that that's a possibility. You know, one of the things that still stands out to me is Ron Rivera in late July saying that he had a lot to prove to Josh Harris and also saying that this season was, in a lot of ways, an audition for Josh Harris. I mean, Ron has kind of said without saying that he's coaching for his job. And I think we all have thought that. But for him to actually say that, you know, that, that stood out to me. And the other thing, too, is when Josh Harris has talked about Ron Rivera, he certainly has supported Ron, but Josh has chosen his words carefully. You know, Josh has not endorsed Ron. Josh has not said that, you know, Ron is is a part of the piece moving forward. Josh has continually called this a big season, which to me is code for 
you better win this season or else. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know that, like, uh, a one-and-two start would get Ron fired. But if you're looking at one-and-four, you know, two-and-five, I think that could happen. There have not been many in-season head coaching firings for Washington. If you look at the franchise's history, you had Jay Gruden in 2019. You had North Turner in 2000. Otherwise, just about every head coaching change has happened uh, in an off season. I do think it's possible Ron uh, would get fired this season if the team gets off to slow start. But I hope by heck that that does not happen. And, you know, two and oh would buy Ron some, would give Ron some cushion because after this you have the Bills at home and then you're at the Eagles, two, in theory, difficult games. But if you get this game against the Broncos, even if you lose those two games, the fifth game is a Thursday nighter against Chicago, three and two would seem to be doable, especially if you win this Sunday. And three and two would put you, you know, in a pretty decent spot, especially considering where this team has been at five games into each of the previous three regular seasons. Uh, yeah, two and zero would be huge for him and the fan base. Certainly, four twenty-five on Sunday afternoon, uh, Washington at Denver. Let me expand the horizon just a little bit in the category of overthinking and overreacting to the start of the season. What have you made of the other teams in the NFC East? It would be hard not to overreact to what Dallas did to the Giants and then the Eagles, as I called it earlier. They are an imperfect two and zero to start the season. <laughs> They are. Uh, it's hard not to think that the Eagles are the favorite to win the NFC East. I mean, with Dallas, it's almost become comical because more or less every regular season now, the Cowboys do well. And then it's in the playoffs where the Cowboys falter. And so, like, you know, the Cowboys could look great this regular season, but their season in so many ways is determined by what happens in mid to late January. But, yeah, I mean, that was stunning what happened last Sunday night. I do expect the Giants to take a step back this season. I think there was some good fortune and good luck that aided the Giants having the season that they had last year. But, I mean, I did not expect what we saw last Sunday night. That, that, was, pretty, uh, that was pretty impressive what the Cowboys did in that game. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think the division certainly is led by the Eagles and the Cowboys. Uh, I don't want to say that the Commanders are playing for second or third place because if we've learned anything about the NFC East over the last 25 years, it's that you expect the unexpected, that this division has not had a repeat winner in terms of the same team winning it in back-to-back seasons in forever. I think it says a lot. So, you know, you look at things now, could be very different from how we look at things in November and December. But no question. I mean, this does not seem to be a soft division. You know, what we had in 2020 when Washington won the NFC East at 7-9, and doesn't look like we're going to have anything like that this season, at least, you know, given what we know right now. And, you know, I do think that what we had last year when you had three playoff teams, three really good teams, you know, you could have something like that this season. Like, I, you know, th- th- this could be a second consecutive season in which the division is difficult. And so that does make it, I think, all the more important for the commanders to try to win these non-NFC East games that are winnable. Clearly, the Cardinals game was a winnable game. I do think this game at the Broncos is a winnable game. It is a road game, yes. But, you know, the Broncos in recent years have not been what they have been in the past. Uh, I, you know, I do look at Denver, though, in this way. The Broncos would be, if they lose this game, would be 0-2 with each loss at home. So I, I think there's going to be a desperation from Denver to win this game. And a lot of times in sports, we know the more desperate team is the team that ends up winning. So, you know, I would keep that in mind. Like, I think you can have a Broncos team that is prepared for this game and, uh, you know, very much does not want to fall to 0-2 with two home losses. So I think that's something to keep in mind, too. 
For sure. Finishing up with Al Galde. Hey, you got football up your way tonight. You got a college game at at, uh, at College Park, Maryland at 2-0, and and Virginia at 0-2. I think the line is like 15 or 15 and a half. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you make of this, this Maryland team? We've dissected Virginia pretty much every which way you can. It doesn't look great for the Cavaliers. What do you make of this Maryland team, Al? Yeah, I mean, I think Maryland is set up to have its best season in a long time. Now, there have been uh, multiple seasons in recent years that we've said the same thing about Maryland and things haven't necessarily gone that way. The Terrapins have had a penchant for getting off the good starts of the season and then really having a hard time against the big boys of the Big Ten. So I think in a lot of ways we'll truly be able to gauge where Mike Loxley has this program when Maryland faces some of the bigger competition in the Big Ten. But Talia Tungavailoa already is one of the more prolific quarterbacks in the history of the program that he's back for this season uh, is something that I think every Maryland fan, and I went to Maryland, is so happy yep. about. And he has a chance to put up uh, really monster numbers this year. But, you know, it's, you can't assume anything. I mean, Maryland last week against Charlotte was down 14 nothing at the end of the first quarter. Ended up winning 38-20. But the Terps got off to a really bad start in that game. So, you know, you got to be careful with this stuff. I mean, we had last night Navy as a two-touchdown mm-hmm. underdog at uh, Memphis. And Navy yep. nearly pulled off the upset. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as a Terps fan, I don't assume anything with Virginia. I know the Cavaliers have fallen on hard times, but, you know, this is like that classic spot where when you think you know, you don't know. So, you know, Maryland, I think, is, is a pretty good team. Certainly should be Virginia. But Maryland is not good enough to just sort of coast by any, anybody. And, and I think the Terps got a, a scare with what happened against Charlotte last Saturday night. And uh, I do expect uh, a, a better start, and I do expect – a focused Maryland team coming out because Mike Loxley and his post-game presser after that win, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say like he was not happy about the win, but he was pretty adamant of you can't start a game like that, and, and you can't. And, and, you know, against a lot of other teams, a 14 nothing deficit at the end of the first quarter really would have harmed you in terms of the final result. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly caught their attention on that one. All right, Al, enjoy all the football this weekend. We always enjoy catching up with you and look forward to doing it again before too long. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Have a great weekend. There goes Al Galdi, the Al Galdi podcast. You can catch that wherever you catch your podcast. And they still got the Nats Chat podcast going uh, until the end of the baseball season. Didn't even bring up any Nats other than they played a sub-two-hour game last night. That was probably the best news of all for the Nats. They lost to the uh, Pirates. Josiah Gray pitched pretty well, uh, but they were done in – Less than two hours. Pretty nifty time for that game last night. This is when you do like the sped-up games and the pitch clock and all that. When you get into these pretty meaningless games, at least as far as record and standings is concerned, in Major League Baseball. Um, All right, again, Virginia-Maryland tonight. That's a 7 o'clock game. It's on FS1 if you want to check it out. All right, about a half hour for us to go. We'll take a timeout, come back on the other side. Sports Auto continues, 106.1 ESPN.